Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Um, we are also grateful for Alex, who is leading our music with us this morning. Camille and the band are taking a much-needed vacation after um, helping us launch this church. She's spending the week at the beach, and I hope getting renewed. Um, she will join us again next Sunday. But we are so grateful for you and for your guys and for what they're doing this morning. So thank you for that, Alex. Um, I need to just be really honest with y'all, and this has been a pretty amazing week for me. Um, I got to be the pastor of Horizon, but I also got to be a youth pastor this week. For the past six weeks, we've been planning and preparing and praying for an experience for teens called Mission Tampa, and I'm excited to let you know that our prayers were answered. For those of us who've been praying, um, we pray that they'd experience and share the love of Jesus all over the Tampa Bay area, and 15 teens took part in this this uh, look around y'all like 15 teens were a part of um, helping horizon live out our mission to shine light and ignite change this week um, last week on sunday morning we had 10 signed up i'd been praying for seven for 15 i even got an email together with seven people and asked them to be praying that 15 people with 15 teens would sign up and be a part of this and so last week on sunday when there was only 10 i was like okay god i get it you don't always answer my prayers the way you want and then on thursday afternoon when we're leaving our last work site and i counted out 15 kids i was like oh you do answer prayers you're a god who breaks through the barriers and the limitations that we put on ourselves um, so thank you to each of you who are a part of this, you texted me you, that you were praying for the teens this week. When there are 15 teens, that also means you need, you need adults. Um, and so I'm thankful that seven adults drove vans and cars and led worship this week. Um, it, it was just a really incredible and exciting week. So thank you for all of you who were a part of that. While we were at BT Washington working on Wednesday morning, we're all like all. 17 or 18 of us are like in the lobby area of the check-in at the elementary school, BT Washington. It's in the middle of Ebor. And the principal hears us checking in, and she runs out from her office and comes to the little window where you check in. And she says to Chris and I, she says, check your email, check your email, check your email. And so we checked our email, and I am happy to report that our partner school, who we've partnered with since the very beginning of Horizon, reported a C on their report card last year, and they reported another C this year. Now, that's amazing news because this is what – for for decades, they have ne BT Washington has never repeated. So they've gotten a couple C's here and there, but the next year they fall to a D or an F. This is the first year that they have maintained and increased their growth as an elementary school, and you all were a part of that. So thank you for yeah. That is really exciting. It's hard work, but yes. It's hard work for a school like BT Washington to overcome the barriers that it takes for them to become a C school. And so we're excited about that, but I'm really excited that the kids that we worked in the summer program with this week, that the kids who walk in those schools every day, that their community is being made different because, because that school is being made successful by our partnership and the partnership of many other people. So thank you for being a part of Shining Light and Igniting Change. I'm excited for the ways that God is breaking through. So I knew all week that my sermon series was going to be about breakthrough. Um, I've been really excited to start this. I told Chris on Wednesday evening, this message is going to like preach itself. I'm not even going to have to work because we went from 10 teens to 15. We prayed and, and broke through the barriers. I watched teens do yard work with, um, with you know, older folks. I watched them work with folks who have mental and physical disability, adults who have mental and physical disabilities. I just watched them like experience some breakthroughs themselves this week. Um, I, mom in our 
community who has cancer. She has a two and a four-year-old. She, uh, we went and mowed her yard Wednesday, and I get a text message while we're, we literally mowed her yard, and we stood in her yard and prayed for when she would come home after a lengthy hospital stay, and she texted me while we're in the yard praying for her that she was headed home, and she came home to a beautifully um, mowed yard, and her kids got to play outside, and she got to see it after a lengthy hospital stay, so thank you all for being a part. Like, I just saw amazing breakthroughs all week. Like, everywhere I turned, it was just breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough, and I was so excited um, that this is what I was going to get to preach on this Sunday, and so I, I tell Chris, like, I, I told him Wednesday night, I was like, this sermon is going to be the easiest sermon I've ever written. Like, it is preaching itself this week. And then literally on Thursday at lunchtime, Chris and I are sitting, having lunch with the kids at Mission Tampa. And this teen looks at Chris and I and tells us, you know, there's some things going on in his life. And he feels like he needs to overcome them, but he doesn't even know where to start. And it's Thursday. I've had a long week. I've been working 12, 14-hour days. Like, I just wanted God to keep breaking through. I didn't want to have to deal with these kids who were actually longing and coming to us and saying, like, we, we really want some kind of breakthrough in our lives. And so I'm sitting there on Thursday, and I'm like, you know, like, I, I just shut down at that point because I'm like, God, you've got to fix this right now. Like, this kid's asking for this. Fix it. And I'm married to a guy who, like, hangs in there even when it's, when it's tough, and I'm grateful for that. And so Chris just kept talking to him about it, and and he it was very clear in that moment that we weren't going to have a breakthrough moment right then. And so I got in my car, and I was kind of mad at God. Anybody had those moments where you're, like, expecting something to happen right then, and it doesn't? And you, like, talk to God about it. So I'm, like, in the car. I'm, like, God, I, like, I want this breakthrough to happen right now. Like, get with it. And I, I've been studying three different stories that we're going to share with you in this series about breakthrough over the next three weeks. And it was just as clear as day, like ever so clear. God just said, some breakthroughs aren't immediate, Erica. Some breakthroughs don't happen overnight. But stick with it. Stick with it. Stick with it. Some breakthroughs aren't overnight. They don't happen immediately. But stick with it. Stick with it. Stick with it. And it just kept coming to me like that for the rest of the week. And as I stayed with this, I realized this was an important part for me to share in this breakthrough series too, that we serve a God who sometimes gives us immediate breakthroughs, things that happen immediately, but I've come to realize that that's not always the way God works, right? Sometimes God hangs with us for a long time before we experience the breakthrough. As I've stayed with this this week, just, just thinking about breakthroughs and reading these stories, I've realized that the people that I love and, and myself, like maybe some of you come here to Horizon week after week after week, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, longing for a breakthrough, and maybe you haven't experienced it yet. Or maybe you've experienced it, but it's not been the kind of breakthrough that you want. And I'm here to tell you that I'm a past, I'm your pastor, and, and I'm praying like God make this breakthrough happen right now, and I get impatient when I don't see it. But you're lucky because you have a pastor, another pastor in the back there, Chris, who also prays and recognizes that breakthroughs aren't always immediate. Sometimes it's day after day after day. Because the stories in this scripture, sometimes it's 40 days, sometimes it's 40 weeks, sometimes it's a lifetime before these folks experience a breakthrough, but they just trust God step after step after step. And sometimes they mess it up, but there's always a breakthrough. And I just want you to hear that this morning. 
that what I've learned by reading these breakthrough stories that I'm going to share with you over the next three weeks is that there is never a breakthrough without some kind of wilderness, some kind of darkness, some kind of season of uncertainty. Every single time before God brings a breakthrough, there's some kind of season of darkness, of uncertainty, of not knowing what is next. And this is what I have read every single, in every single story, that there is no wilderness, there is no darkness, there is no amount of uncertainty that is too great for God's breakthrough. Every single time, God figures out a way to break through anyway. Death, right, the most powerful thing we could ever imagine, God broke through that, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not even death, y'all, can can, is safe from God's breakthrough. Cheating. God broke through it. Anybody heard of the story of David? Look it up. God broke through it. Addiction, God broke through it. Slavery and oppression, God delivered people from it. God broke through it. Broken and hopeless relationships, God broke through. No confidence, speech problems, anxiety, fear, God broke through. Whatever wilderness and uncertainty and limitations and pain you bring with you this morning, we serve a God who breaks through all of that. It's never a poof, like poof breakthrough, poof breakthrough, poof breakthrough. It's very rarely um, operates like that. And I came to realize this week that that's good. That's why I have a job because God works, you know, over and it's good job security. So um, maybe I need to quit praying about immediate breakthrough so much um, but if, if God worked like that there would be no need for a horizon there were no there would be no need for us to gather here today because in these moments in our serving and our gathering together we begin to experience slowly step by step the breakthrough that God has for us this is not a sermon series about how you can have more money more happiness better looks less weight to carry through your lives that's that's not what this sermon series is about but it is going to help us to figure out the labels, the limitations, the doubts, the pain, the fear that we bring so that we can open our lives to a God who longs to break through those things so we can experience the abundant life that God has for us. This morning we're going to look in the Bible um, at a story about a guy named Jacob who experienced a life-changing breakthrough after this sort of wrestling with God. But in order to understand this breakthrough, this wrestling breakthrough, we have to understand some of the background of his story. So Jacob's name literally in Hebrew means to cheat. So he is known as a cheater. Like when people said Jacob, they were kind of saying like, hey, you cheater. Um, so he was a twin brother. He was born second. Um, his, his twin brother Esau was born first. And it in scripture, it says that he was like holding on to the heel of Esau because um, he wanted to be, you know, the firstborn son. Because that's important in that day, right? When you're the firstborn son, you get the inheritance and the blessing of the family. Um, and, and somehow, Jacob like missed out on that by being the secondborn twin. So this is what Jacob does, y'all, when he figures out that he's not going to get the birthright and the inheritance um, from his from his father. So Jacob was the, the guy who like cooked and stayed home and Esau went out, the older twin brother, he went out and like killed the animals that they ate. Sorry, that's a little gruesome, but um, that's how things worked back then. So he did that kind of hard labor and Jacob worked, you know, in the house. He helped his mom. He did things like that. So this one day Esau is out. He's been hunting all week, like 
Anybody here ever run a marathon before or just ran in Florida heat in general? So he's been out for like a couple of days hunting, trying to get food to bring back to the family. And he comes in famished and tired, cold, wet, hungry, maybe tired, hot, hungry. He's like really famished. And Jacob has fixed this big, huge pot of stew. And Jacob sees this as his moment. Remember, he's a cheater. That's, that's who Jacob is. And he, so he sees this as his moment. So he's got this big pot of stew. Esau comes in and he's like, Esau, I'll give you a bowl of stew if you'll give me your birthright. Which means he gets double his parents' inheritance. And Esau's like, I'm starving. Scripture says he's famished. So, um, the, so Jacob gives Esau some stew. And Jacob is, has essentially cheated this guy. He finds him in a vulnerable moment and he cheats the guy out of his birthright. That's not, like, that's not fair, right? That is, that is slick. That's how my little sister was too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hope she's not watching live. Um, <laughs> I'll get a text about that later. Um, but so he, he cheats him out of his birthright. He's, that's who Jacob is. He just is always coming up with these plans and these schemes to get what he wants out of life. Does that make sense who this guy Jacob is? He didn't stop at the birthright. When his dad was on his, Beth, his deathbed, he cheats his brother out of the blessing that his dad was going to give him when he, when he killed him too. He dressed, and that's a little complicated to understand. But he, he like, this is who Jacob is. He just keeps cheating Esau out of all these things. He keeps coming up with these plans to control his life and get exactly what he wants out of life. And um, Jacob, Esau finally is like, you know what? I've had it. After my dad dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. Like, I'm just getting rid of this guy. I'm sick and tired of his plans and his schemes. And his mom finds out about it, and, he's, and she's like, you know, like, that's not actually what I want to happen. So she calls up her brother, Laban. Actually, she probably didn't call him up. I don't think they had telephones back then. But she, like, she packs Jacob up, and she sends him off to her brother, Laban, where he spends 20 years working and serving with Laban. Okay? So he has been away and estranged from his family for 20 years. He goes through all kinds of stuff. This story is found in Genesis chapters about 23 through 34, Read it some this week. If you are home with your kids, like, try to read it to them this summer. It'll give you all something um, really fun to do because um, I know how that is. Um, anyway, so Jacob, Jacob is living with Laban for 20 years, and God comes to Jacob, Jacob and says, it's time now for you to leave Laban and go back to the home of your father. Like, your father's not living anymore. Everything's different, but it's time for you to pack up all your stuff. He's got wives. Yes, wives. We'll explain that some other time. That's a whole other sermon. We're not going to get there today. But he has this, these wives and this family and these livestock, and all of this stuff has to be packed up and carried to, back to his hometown. That's all God says is pack up your stuff and go home. And Jacob, right, is like, oh, there's this thing about home. Who lives there? Esau who wants him dead, right? Esau, who doesn't want him to live anymore. And so when, when God says to Jacob, pack up your stuff and go home, Jacob, Jacob starts to scheme and plan about how he doesn't have to actually look Esau in the face and say, I'm sorry I stole your birthright. I'm sorry I stole your inheritance. I'm sorry I stole your blessing. He tries to figure out how he can, how he can get a, around that. But he also knows, so Jacob's a cheater, and so his relationship with Laban, like he's not just leaving Laban because he has nothing else to do. He's made things a little testy there too, right? This is who Jacob is. So he packs all his stuff up and he starts heading off to the home where his father was raised, where Esau, his brother, lives. And 
from the moment that God told Jacob to pack up all his stuff and head home, Jacob tries to figure out how he can run from the breakthrough that God may have for him. Jacob comes up with all these schemes and plans. That's who Jacob is, right? That's, that's who he is. He comes up with all these plans to figure out how not to actually have these, how not to actually experience the breakthrough. They know, right? The people around them know this about Jacob. They've lived with him for 20 years, right? So his servants, all these people who are packing their stuff up to head back home, they're like, Jacob, we don't know if we, if we trust you because we know you to be a person who uses and abuses people. And but God still says, Jacob, pick your stuff up and go home. Pick your stuff up and go home. No more plans, no more schemes, go home. But he just can't do it. He can't go home and look Esau in the face and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. I know I made things complicated and weird around here. Can we figure this out? No. Instead, Jacob has to come up with his own plan. So he's, this is what he does is he gets these five folks out of his like group and he says you're going to be my messengers i want you to go talk to esau my brother like they they they're close to esau now he's like i want you to go tell esau that we're coming because i have no idea what Esau's going to do when i get there and i want you to go figure out what esau what kind of plans esau might have if i come with my whole camp and my whole family into his homeland i want to fig- i want to know what he thinks this is not what god asked him to do right do y'all remember what god said god said pack up your stuff and go home. And what does Jacob do? He comes up with this plan and he tries to start controlling things. He can't handle the uncertainty of going home and standing before Esau and saying, I messed up. He, can't, he cannot face the fact that he, he doesn't know what, how Esau is going to react. And so what he does is he creates this whole plan around him, right? So he sends these five messengers. They go and they talk to Esau and they come back to tell Jacob what they found when they talked to Esau. And so they come back and Jacob's like, what would you find out? Like, how can I protect myself and my stuff? Tell me that Esau's not mad. And they're like, well, Esau says he's going to meet you with 400 of his men. That basically means Esau's bringing an army to meet you. And Jacob automatically starts thinking, he's going to destroy me. He's going to destroy my family, all the things I've created and worked for. This is what is about to happen. And so he, he comes up with this second plan. Does anybody, he, the Bible says that at this point, Jacob becomes fear fearful and distressed. Anybody here ever been fearful and distressed when you're faced with an unknown something in front of you? Am I the only one here who ever gets scared and stressed out when I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. What are we going to do? So what do we humans do, right? We do exactly what Jacob is about to do. We start coming up with all these plans in the middle of the night. You should sleep in the middle of the night. You should not devise crazy plans that make zero sense because this is what Jacob does. He wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like, I'm going to split my camp, my people, into two groups. I'm going to put some of my kids and my livestock over here, and I'm going to send them first. So when Esau's 400 men attack them, they'll just get rid of them, and I'll keep this half safe. That, that is not what God said. That was not the plan. The plan was pack up your stuff and go home, Jacob. And what does Jacob do? I'm going to divide my camp into two places. How do you even make that decision when you're, when you're Jacob? So he comes up with this plan in the middle of the night, and, and God is like, no, Jacob, that is not what I have asked you to do. And so he's fearful, and he's stressed, and he's devising these crazy plans that make no sense. This is what we do when we run from God's plan for our lives, right? The first thing we do is we choose fear and distress and we create these crazy plans. That's 
the, th the first thing, yes, we avoid the breakthrough God has for us by choosing fear and distress. Anybody here woke up in the middle of the night recently and devised a crazy plan when all you had to do was put one step in front of the other and do what God asked you to do? We choose fear and chaos and stress. We pack our lives full of way too much stuff so we can avoid doing the simple things that God asks us to do because it's too uncertain. There's too much fear and scary things when we don't know exactly what's going to happen. And so we, we, we choose fear and distress. The second thing that Jacob does, I want y'all to hear this from the Bible, um, Genesis 32. So he's in great fear and distress. He's divided his two camps. He's getting ready to go meet Esau. And this is what he does. He prays. And listen to his prayer, y'all. Oh, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, God of my grandfather and my father, he's saying, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. What did God say? Go back to your home and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. You told me that, God. I got it, he says. And then he says, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness that you have shown to your servants. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have two camps. Two camps that I created, but I have two camps, right? He says, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said... I will surely make you prosper and will make you descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Y'all, I spent all week with a bunch of teenagers, and I can sniff out inauthenticity like, like it's my job. it was my job this week. Um, this prayer is not a wholehearted prayer. This is God, protect me and my stuff and keep everything the exact way I want. Please don't actually give me a breakthrough. You are the God of my father, my grandfather. This is who I've heard you to be. I haven't experienced that yet, God. So I just want you to protect me and my stuff, okay? And that's what we do too, right? We offer half-hearted prayers to God. This is what I do. God, please don't let me fail a second time. Just keep everything running smooth. Jacob is about to lose his life and all of his camp, and he's praying these sweet little prayers to God. He's not saying, protect me and my family from, from whatever may be here. God, I am totally yours, and I'm trusting your plan. He offers this half-hearted prayer, telling God who God is, reciting God's plan back to God instead of saying, I am here, I am wholly and totally yours. Anybody else here good at offering half-hearted prayers? We say the prayers we've been taught. We say things back to God that we think without offering God our whole hearts, we still seek to hold on to a little bit. We can't quite surrender everything to God in prayer. Anybody had trouble with that this week? Anybody like me have a really hard time offering wholehearted prayers to God? And then Jacob does the thir a third thing. He devises this whole other plan where he's going to send Rachel and Leah. He's going to put the women on the front when he meets Esau. So he comes up with this other plan in the middle of the night. He's going to put his the wives and children on the front line, so maybe Esau will be kind. So he keeps coming up with all these plans. Do y'all hear this? He tries to control everything around him. And that's what us humans do too, right? If we can just control everything around us, then we don't have to actually experience the breakthrough that God has for us. We don't actually have to surrender and submit our plans and our lives to God. 
we could just control everything around us. I am a real professional at this. Ask Alex, who had to work with me this week. Uh, she, don't giggle, Alex. I'm, I'm watching you. But I, I have to have complete and total control of everything around me. I absolutely cannot trust God. And then, in the middle of the night, before he meets Esau, Jacob goes over to a place by himself alone. And I want you all to read what happens. Jacob is by himself alone, and a man began to wrestle with him until daybreak. When the, man, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So he could not overpower him. He, he, touched the, sorry, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he wrestled with the man. The man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with human beings, and you have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? And then he blessed him right there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, and he said, it's because I saw God face to face. I saw God, not God of my father or my grandfather. I saw my God face to face right here in this place. And the sun rose above him. There was a new day. And he was limping because of his hip. And therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was removed. Guys, he woke up in the middle of the night to wrestle with God. And he finally had to give up control of all the schemes and the patterns of his life that had been kind of working for him. He hadn't actually experienced the abundant life. He was still living in absolute fear and distress and not experiencing the things that God had for him. And he finally one night is alone. And this is what we find is we find a God who will wrestle us down over and over and over again as long as it takes. God will not let go until we have experienced a breakthrough. We encounter a breakthrough when we encounter a God who will not let go. When we, finally, when we finally let go of all the things we've held on to way too tight, and we hold on to God, like, I'm not going to let you go this time, God. I've held on to my crazy plans, my crazy schemes, my crazy ideas for too long, God, and I'm ready for a breakthrough. I'm not letting go. We encounter a breakthrough when we give wholehearted, whole body prayer to God. This wasn't, this wrestling, I love, I, I believe that this, that Jacob, when he's wrestling with God, it is an absolute prayer, a wholehearted prayer with God, right? A wrestling prayer, like he is physically working it out. And I think I, be, I began to believe that because I watched 15 teens do that this week. I watched them pray, but then I watched them roll up their sleeves and wrestle out these prayers that they were praying. I watched Evie, a 14-year-old, who's prayed every day since January.
my batteries out. Um, but I watched her wrestle out this prayer, right? Begin to invite her friends, and I watched others do that too. So I'm telling you this week, right, if you think you're going to find a breakthrough in some silent corner in your house, you probably will. I found a couple there. My, I found a couple breakthroughs there myself. But you're actually going to find the breakthrough that God has for you by rolling up your sleeves and wrestling, living out your life as a wholehearted prayer to God. Surrendering the plans and the schemes that you have for your life and giving it to God. If you're tired of what's happening in our world, roll up your sleeves and be, uh, become your prayer. Begin to wrestle with these things. Um, I watched it work this week. I watched people be able to shine light and ignite change because they wrestled with the prayers that they were praying. They began to live them out. They rolled their sleeves up and they got involved with being an answer to our prayers. The second thing is that God's, God's breakthrough is going to come to you through a new identity. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Jacob's body was changed, right? And I'll be honest, this was the hardest part this week. I woke up at 2 a.m. I, I, like, made Chris, that's how I do sometimes. I, like, tried to wake him up in the middle of the night, and I was like, I cannot believe in a God who hurts people to get them to experience a breakthrough. Like, I do not believe that. What, how do you make sense of Jacob limping out of this wrestling match with God hurt. Like, I don't believe God's breakthrough comes because God hurt you and then you moved on. And Chris is like, no, of course it doesn't. But God's not going to let go. And sometimes we hurt ourselves when we run away from God. And then Chris said, why don't you go to sleep and trust in this God who wants to give you a new identity? I think it's because he wanted to go to sleep (laughs) too. But this is what God does. He gives you a new identity. You walk different. You talk different. You believe different. Everything is different. Your entire identity becomes changed when God has a breakthrough for you. You're no longer the cheater, right? You're the person who surrendered everything to God and is seen as a wholehearted, a wholehearted person. You might limp. It might, you might look different than you've ever looked before. You'll talk different. You'll think different. You'll be known different. But God has a new identity, a new name for you. You will no longer be Jacob the cheater, Jacob the schemer, Jacob the planner. You will become Israel, the one who has struggled and wrestled and found a breakthrough through God's grace. And the last thing that happens is the sun came up. Did y'all hear that part? There was a new day, a brand new day. The sun came up. There was a new dawn. I want you to, I'm going to, sorry, I do not have enough handouts. I want to read this verse to you. Verse, chapter 33, verse 4. So Jacob, after he wrestles, he looks up, and there was Esau coming with him. And he, he did have his 400 men, it says so. So Esau comes with him with his 400 men, and he's divided his family up with Leah, Rachel. Everything's like Jacob had planned. And then Jacob runs ahead to the front, and he falls on the ground, and he bows on the ground seven times. He's scared to death, y'all. Fear and distress are still running through his veins, but he knows God has said, get up and go to the place of your father's home. And so he falls down on his face seven times before Esau. And then I want y'all to hear what he, he looks at that grass, hot, sweaty, fearful, stressed out, just like many of us face the unknown and the uncertain, but he has a different faith now, right? And this is what happens. Esau saw Jacob and he ran to meet him. And he embraced him, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him, and they wept. This 
is our story. This is Horizon's story. Two years ago, Chris and I packed up everything we had, and we moved from Nashville to Tampa. At the time, it was headlined that Tampa was the least religious city in the southeast, the least churched city in the southeast. And with fear and distress and half-hearted prayers like, God, just don't let me fail a second time, we moved here expecting to meet random people in Starbucks and hear them tell us, like, we don't believe in God, you're weird, right? That's a weird thing for you to believe. And instead, what we've done is we've introduced ourselves to strangers and we've met people who are longing for a breakthrough, who found a breakthrough and who are longing to share that breakthrough with others. This is what we found in God. We've watched broken, tired, famished people walk in the doors back there and find water and grace and love and coffee and donuts. (laughs) We've watched lonely and isolated people find community and healing. We've watched parents make heart-wrenching decisions and cling to the promises of God until their whole family was brought to a breakthrough. We've watched God bring grief-stricken, heart-broken people in our doors, and we've watched them leave with hope and a new breakthrough. I've watched my control freak self be moved in powerful ways to hand over all my plans and schemes and to go with the flow. It doesn't come natural. I've watched marriages and the steadfast love of a spouse jump in the muddy, dark, ugly trenches and walk with their husband until they found a breakthrough. I know there are gluttonous drunks and druggies here who've experienced the breakthrough that you can only experience through God's recovery. And this is the best part. These aren't folks that are some imaginary something. These are folks who are sitting right beside you. Look around. We're all a bunch of broken people just longing for a breakthrough. And this is what we found as we've walked into the breakthrough that God has for us is God wants to use our breakthrough to help lead more people to breakthroughs. Your breakthrough is never about you. It is about you. It brings you grace and peace and some of those things that you're longing for in your life. But it's never just about you. Jacob's breakthrough wasn't just about him. It was about a whole camp of people understanding the wholeness and reconciliation of God. It was about Esau being able to offer forgiveness. Your breakthrough is never just about you. It's for all of us. What does it look like this morning for you to let go of the things that are holding you back from the breakthrough That God has for you. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are a God of breakthrough. For those of us who are here this morning longing for that breakthrough, God, we just offer ourselves all over again. Help us to know, God, that you are a God who will wrestle us over and over and over again. You will not let go. Help us to remember the promise that there is no wilderness, no uncertainty, no darkness that is, that is too powerful for you. That you have broke through it all. And give us the grace and the faith to let go of it this morning for you. We love you. Amen.